his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. project <laughs> here uh, getting us started on this Wednesday afternoon um, the parody project with Petro dollars I thought that you know he re- they released that they it's he it's this guy Don Karen um, put that out a week or so ago and I just haven't had time to get to it but um, 
I thought it was apropos for today because those petrodollars and all the uh, fossil fuels we're boiling have led us to um, the speeding up of the end of our planet. Yes, it seems a crucial ocean current. That would be the um, oh, God, it's not on this article. Hold on. I got to pull up the name of it in the Atlantic Ocean. There's a, a part of the Atlantic Ocean. Where is it? Um, uh, it's called the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, or AMOC. It's the very sensitive circulation system of the Atlantic Ocean that has been becoming uh, become slower and less resilient, according to a new analysis of 150 years of temperature data, raising the possibility that this crucial element of the climate system could collapse within the next few decades. Oh, lucky us, lucky us, lucky us. So, yeah. Um, so there's that. So, you know, uh, and the thing is, this it was published, this news was published in the... Um, in some nature journal, like some scientific journal. Of course, with all the news happening today, this is barely getting a mention anywhere. But basically what it says is a collapse within the next few decades would cause dramatic weather changes on both sides of the Atlantic. But scientists can't agree on the timeline. And the thing is, here in South Florida, where I am, the waters off the coast have topped 100 degrees as of two days ago. Yeah, it's like a a hot tub. The ocean is so hot, the corals are dying. So, you know, that happened. Again, that's not topping the news today. What is topping the news? Well, Hunter Biden's plea deal fell apart. So he pleaded not guilty. Um, He was to plead guilty and and this deal was going to... I'm not getting into it. I'll tell you what, Marcy Wheeler will be here on Monday at which time there may be a third indictment of the former guy. So Marcy will be here to shine a light on all that stuff. Frankly, I don't want to hear about Hunter Biden. Uh, I'm going to do what the Republicans do all the time and say, what about the spawn? What about Vonky and Donnie Jr. and Eric? You know, Vonky and uh, and Jared worked in the White House. And uh, made billions of dollars. So let's talk about them. Bring them, put them under investigation, and then we can talk about Hunter Biden. Uh, in other news, you know, hey, the, the news has been that the economy is so good, right? At Bidenomics, anyone? The economy is so good that um, this actually happened uh, just two weeks ago. If I can pull up this video fast enough. Hold on, I got to get the right... The right file open. Um, two weeks ago on the Fox Business Channel, listen to this. Consumer Price Index. All right, go for it. One Here year we go. ago, inflation in America was 9.1%, and now 3%. Yeah. Wow. It fell fast. It right? fell fast. Um, it's still painfully high in categories like food. Prices there up 5.7%. Shelter up nearly 8%. Shelter rents now 70% of all inflation in the month of June. Here are the bright spots. Gas costing you less. It fell 26%. Mm-hmm. Airfare. The price of airfare is down almost 19%. That's- okay. So you hear that? The, um, the economy is doing very well. Thank you very much. Here's a tweet that Elizabeth Warren sent out this morning. It's still Twitter. Sorry. Call it what you want. Idiot Elmo. By the way, Microsoft owns X, 
Xbox, anyone? Elmo's going to have to switch back. Anyway, I digress. So Elizabeth Warren tweeted, the Fed's extreme rate hikes risk throwing millions of Americans out of work. Unemployment for black workers is already rising at an alarming pace. The Fed must maintain its pause, pause on rate hikes. But that's not what happened. Oh, no. No. You see, um, the Fed today, once again, they paused last month, but today they raised interest rates again another quarter of a point. So let me get this straight. Uh, unemployment is at a record low ever. More, more people are working. And because of that, wages are going up. So what's the Fed doing? The Fed wants to slow employment. They want more people out of work so that wages come down. To me, that sounds like they're trying to sabotage uh, the economy. Uh, again, I'm not an economist, but this is some class A. Bullshit. It's just bullshit. Um, so that was two weeks ago. Fox Business praising, you know, the, the record, the, how fast the, the uh, um, inflation has fallen. I guess we can thank the in- Inflation Reduction Act, which so few Republicans voted for. So that happened today. Lovely. Um, I guess we we have to figure out how to now the the car we leased and our lease end lease is coming up to an end. We have to figure out how to buy it now with the interest rates sky high because the prices have all shot up. Um, Yeah. All right. Enough of that. So what else happened today? Oh, as the Republicans and all the media, not only Fox, it seems like all the corporate Uh, mainstream media has been on the, oh, Joe Biden, he just might be too old bandwagon. Um, uh, A reminder, a few things. One, Donald Trump is three years younger than Joe Biden. When we're talking 77 and 80 years old, three years, no difference. Uh, And I'll put Joe Biden up against Donald Trump any day of the week, talking about mental acuity, physical fitness, you name it. Yet they keep harping on this. Oh, Biden's too old. What about Trump? He's the he's the, the, the front runner for the Republican nomination. And then this happened today. Mitch McConnell. Now, he fell last week or the week before, whenever it was, and he was in the hospital. Well, he's back. Kinda. So he's at the podium doing his weekly press conference, and this happens today. cooperation and a string of... Uh, he's talking, and then he... Uh, it sounded like me on ketamine the other day. And now he's just silent, standing there with his turtle face, not moving, and they're just standing behind him. Like, John Thune, do something! The man's probably having a stroke. Somebody finally put his arm on, but Barrasso leads him away. Barrasso, a doctor. Do you want to say anything else? Uh, And and then they lead him away. Um, Anyone else see a problem? Can you imagine if Joe Biden had a moment like that? But Mitch McConnell, now, uh, again, I don't watch right-wing media, so I don't know what they're saying about this. But you know what? How about all these people retire and let the younger, let, let Gen Z take over. Because, um, come on. Yes, and Mick Jagger is 80 years old today. <laughs> it's opposite world. Nothing makes sense anymore. So time for um, 
Yeah, he is having a seizure. There's something seriously wrong there. And then he came back a few minutes later and said, oh, everything's fine. I don't think everything's fine. In fact, nothing is fine. Nothing at all is fine. There was um, a hearing in the House today, a hearing on, wait, I got to get this up for you. This was great. So we've had a few of these of late, hearings on unidentified, um, it, not UFOs. What are they calling them? I did write it down. Um, uh, UAPs. And don't ask me to explain what UAPs mean. It's basically the new you know, 2023 term. It's some, some, I don't know, big words that I don't know. But it is UFOs. That's what they're talking about. And I just want to play one little clip for you from a, a hearing that should make a lot of news, although there was a lot of news today, so a lot of things aren't getting talked about much. But um, here's this part. Nancy Mace. <laughs> yeah, her. She, But she asked a pertinent question here. Check this out. I speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that mm-hmm. I could triage. Okay. Do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from Congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority? There are certain elected leaders that had more information that I'm not sure what they've shared with certain gang of eight members or et cetera, but uh, certainly uh, I would not be surprised. Okay. Okay. Here's the question. You say that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Oh. Huh. Huh. Um, okay. Okay. I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? Good question. As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Uh oh. Um, biologics. Were they, I guess, human or non human biologics? Non human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Huh. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Or, you know, in the bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, right? No, skiff. Secure, you know, place where they can talk about top secret information. Now, why this should be top secret, I don't know. Although I did read something. don't know if there's any truth to it. So I'm qualifying this. This isn't what's... Bo- yeah, uh, I, I cannot confirm or deny this. But um, the, the, the word is the reason they had this hearing today is because some of this UFO, sorry, UAP stuff was some of the stuff that the former guy stole and there was some scuttlebutt that he was selling it, the information to some people that he shouldn't have. Again, I'm qualifying it. I don't know if it's true. I'm just telling you I read it, that there is talk of that. And maybe that's why, um, you know, maybe that's why. Um, There's other news. Did you hear about Rudy Giuliani? Rudy Giuliani admitted in court that what he said about um, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, remember them, the two poll workers uh, in Georgia, that uh, Rudy Giuliani said, claimed, alleged, were um, uh, guilty of voter fraud, that they were passing, I don't know, voter information on a hard uh, 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 flash drive or something when when actually it was a, you know, a TikTok mint. Um uh, he said he admitted that it wasn't true. He admitted that he lied. But he said 
and I'm almost quoting. Well, hold on. Let me pull this up and I will quote. He said, it didn't cause any, no, I'm not quoting because um, I can't find it. He said it didn't cause them any harm or or, you know, cost, had no cost. Bullshit. This destroyed these women's lives. So, uh, you know, yeah. So um, that story, the Rudy and the uh, Ruby Freeman and Shane Moss defamation case against Rudolph Giuliani actually has some bearing in another case, another story that broke yesterday dealing with Eamon Bundy. Remember him? These people, and I use the term loosely, people, um, because, boy, they're far from human. Um, um, they they actually lost in uh, a civil action filed. Um, and and Spocko is going to call in a little later in the program, um, and he'll tell us about this and why it matters. But first, we do have a guest today, and I'm, I'm you know, this is one of those... That I saw. Um, Spocko, I see you're calling. I'm going to tell you what. You need to call back after the interview because I had my timing wrong. My producer screwed up yet again. So we'll talk to Spocko after the interview. I'm going to take a quick time out. Come back on the other side and speak with uh, Ariane Shabisi, I think is how you pronounce her name. We'll find out for sure. Um, she's She is a... Um, a philosopher. She's an author and a professor of ethics, and she sounds fascinating. And she wrote this book that the, the title grabbed me, Arguing for a Better World. Please. I argue a lot. I could use some help with my arguments at time. And so she's going to tell us how philosophy can help us fight for social justice. So quick time out back on the other side with Ariane Chavisi. Next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Maybe. I'm Nicole Sandler, and I've struggled with depression since adolescence. Now, I've seen my share of therapists over the years, though I hadn't lately. That's because it's gotten really difficult to find any good therapist locally, let alone one who you really connect with. So when I was presented with BetterHelp coming aboard as the sponsor of the show, I was thrilled. And since I'll only endorse products and services I believe in, I signed up to check them out. And BetterHelp makes it easy. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you go to betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler. That way they know I sent you. And if you decide to try it out, they'll get 10% off your first month. You fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Nicole Sandler today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Nicole Sandler. You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash sent by Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash sent by Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show, too. 
Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. This is a huge, huge issue. And we're talking about it. The Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. Okay, so uh, Arguing for a Better World uh, is the title of the book, How Philosophy Can Help Us Fight for Social Justice. Our guest, uh, Ariane Chavisi, am I saying that correctly? Ariane Chavisi, yes. Chavisi. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. So Ariane is a Kurdish-British writer, academic philosopher, professor of ethics at the Brighton and Sussex Medical School, where you teach courses in moral philosophy, feminist bioethics, gender studies, global health ethics, uh, and and more. It's all on the back of the book. And boy, very impressive sounding. And we could use someone like you here in our schools, especially in Florida, because I don't know if you've heard what's going on here, but it's the uh, the, the true dumbing down of education. It's It's really scary what's happening here in the States right now. Yeah, no, we, I hear little bits of it over here, but no, it's, it's terrifying. Um, but thank you so much for having me on, Nicole. It's well, so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. And, and you are, um, uh, you know, occasionally I, I, I see a, a, a blurb about a book or a title even and say, oh yeah. And that's the reaction I had to yours, arguing for a better world. Um, I, I do tend to argue at times. I, 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 I am a combative kind of person. Um, but for good, you know, I try to, I mean, I think that when I get it up in it, I, I, there's a good reason behind it. And what you're doing here is a real public service because there's so much nonsense. There's so much disinformation being pushed on us. Uh, especially, I don't, I don't know what it's like in Europe, but, it, uh, I hear there's a lot of this stuff going around, a lot of propaganda filling the airwaves, a lot of, um, uh, you know, rewriting of history um, that and and things presented as news that are simply not. You know, we have Fox over here um, that just makes shit up. And uh, unfortunately, so many people watch it and they think they're getting their news. And so they're so misinformed. And and I, I, I can't blame them because they really believe this stuff because they're told this is news. And uh, so it presents us, the good guys, with a dilemma. How do you argue with someone who is mm. um, fed this nonsense, fed propaganda, believes that they know the truth when you know that it's all lies and it's destroying the planet, basically? So you give us some ammunition to uh, to argue back to those misinformed people. So what what made you decide to write this book? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the book is hopefully full of ammunition. Um, I decided to write the book back in 2020. Um, 2020 was obviously a horrible year in all sorts of ways, um, specifically George Floyd and Breonna Taylor being murdered. Um, it was one of the hottest years on record. It was obviously the year when the pandemic hit um, and there were widespread lockdowns. There was just a lot to think about and a lot of time to think about it. Um, and one of the things that I noticed, and you, you know, you just kind of mentioned this as well, is that we are short on good arguments. Um, so there are lots of us who kind of broadly agree um, on particular ways of, of seeing the world. Um, but I think sometimes we find ourselves in these conversations, perhaps at the, you know, dinner table with relatives, um, you know, or chatting with people, you know, with old friends on social media. Um, 
where we meet somebody who has very, very different views. And I think, you know, sometimes you hope to change someone's mind, but sometimes you just want to present a really good case, you know. Um, and sometimes it's not even about changing someone's mind. Sometimes it's just about kind of sharing good arguments with one another. You know, this sure. is a fight we're kind of engaged in together. Um, and our fight will be stronger if we can have good arguments behind us um, and if we can kind of bring people into the movement with those arguments. So that was the kind of objective of the book. Um, was to use some of the tools of philosophy. I'm a trained philosopher um, and present them in a very accessible way. Um, you know, it doesn't really feel like a work of philosophy, I hope, or certainly not academic philosophy, um, to sort of put some of those arguments out there, arguments for statements like Black Lives Matter or statements like men are trash, um, right. you know, arguments for political correctness or, you know, wokeness. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the objective of the book. And I just I just kind of felt it was it was perhaps time to write down some of my reasons um, for these political positions. Well, I'm so glad you did. And yes, I mean, I, I, the, the idea of somebody having, you know, being a philosopher seems kind of luxurious to us right now, but, <laughs> but it's so important. Um, thinking is, 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 you know, thinking and, and, and um, uh, uh, reasoning and, and all that it, it is not, not taught in schools anymore. I mean, it just no. deliberative, reasoning it's it's facts and these facts are perverted now by yeah. um, not facts w what they're doing to american history i don't know if you heard again in Flo i'm in florida yeah. not for long but that they just put new um guidelines in for african-american studies and part of it i can't even believe i'm saying these words they mm. they're teaching children that slavery wasn't all bad. It was actually pretty yeah. good because it taught these slaves skills that they could then take into their free lives. To I, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Um, yeah. And so this is where we are today. So this is important. And, you know, some of the questions you pose here, I'm thinking, do we really have to argue this? But, yeah, like, can you be racist to a white person? Yeah. What do you, what do you say to that? Can you be racist to a white person? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you can't be racist to a white person. I mean, of course, there are there are a few little complexities um, to talk about um, there. But broadly speaking, no, of course, you can't. Um, racism requires um, for the harm in question to be rooted in history, for there to be power involved, for it to be a systemic kind of harm. So one that is kind of everywhere within a society um, rather than just a kind of one-off um, comment. So no, you can't. And, you know, the, 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 there's a chapter all about this reversing and why it's not possible. And you're right, we, you know, I shouldn't have to write a chapter like that, right? And I hope, you know, many listeners are kind of thinking, well, I already knew that, right? Um, that maybe some of the arguments will be will be useful in just being precise about, about how to, um, you know, make that position clear. Um, but we do have to argue for these things because, there's an enormous backlash to all of the work that we're doing. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that we don't want to spend all of our time fighting against the backlash. We also want to be moving forward with kind of, you know, progressive ideas. Um, we need to fight the backlash to make sure we're bringing people along with us. Um, so I do think it's important in that regard. And going back to what you said about, you know, these facts that are being kind of, or facts, I should say, um, you know, in inverted commas, um, that are, are being kind of rewritten, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and hist histories that are being rewritten. You know, unless we do focus on the reasoning and unless we do focus on our own kind of critical thinking skills, then we're vulnerable to these sorts of attacks. 
um, so it's not just about, it's never just about facts, right? It's about reasoning. And that, that again, is, is one of the things that the book is trying to demonstrate is that we need to get our reasoning in order, right? We need to make sure we're talking to each other, that we've got kind of clear, tidy reasoning. Um, because, you know, we're on the right side when it comes to reasoning. The reasoning goes in the favor of progressive thinking, right? Right, right. Um, so it's our tool, really. It's a liberatory tool and it's one that we should make use of. Um, and so the book just, you know, tries to go through some of those reasons um, for, as you say, things that, in, you know, in an ideal world, we would not have to argue for at all. Right. Um, but in this world, we do. You know, the other thing about the whole, uh, can you be racist to a white person? Look, I'm a white person. And there are times I've, I've, I feel defensive um, mm. because of a lot of, you know, commentary that I see from people of color who have been uh, discriminated against because of the color of their skin, uh, because of their background, because of their ethnicity. Um, uh, and the way uh, white people will be referred to in a group in, in a pejorative kind of sense, it's like, wait a minute, we're not all bad, but that's... It, it, that comes with the territory uh, yeah. to admit there is white privilege and that goes along with it. And we've got to accept that. And it took me a while on, frankly, to understand that and to let go of yeah. my ego and say, yeah, I'm white, but I'm also part of this. So I own it and mm. realize that my that that my being here, even though my circumstances may be, may not be great and I certainly don't feel privileged, I do, mm. there's privilege attached to this skin color. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there, there's lots to say about this. I mean, the defensiveness is a very natural kind of reaction, I think. But I think it's one that we each have to kind of handle on our own privately right. and manage before, <laughs> rather than just putting it out into the world unprocessed. Right. Because right. when you say not all problem. white people, it's like, oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know. So exactly. got that. Yeah. It, is it the same with, um, is it sexist to say, is it sexist to say men are trash? Who says men are yeah. trash? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a whole chapter on this. And this really was one of the kind of lines of reasoning that uh, motivated me to write the books. I wrote a little essay on this and, you know, um, there was quite a good response to that. And so I thought, you know, maybe I can, I can build that out into, into a longer analysis with some more detail in there. Um, but yeah, a statement like men are trash is an interesting one philosophically because it, it, it's kind of generalization, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, conventional wisdom has it that generalizations are not a good thing. So we shouldn't go around saying, making generalizations about groups of people. And that's generally true. Um, but there are different kinds of generalizations. And the generalization men are trash does not mean all men are trash. That's actually not what it means. If, if that was what we wanted to say, we'd say all men are trash. Mm -hmm. Philosophically speaking, we have different terms for these different kinds of generalizations. Um, men are trash. It's more like the statement, ticks carry Lyme disease, right? Yeah. Um, and not all ticks carry Lyme disease. In fact, a very small number of ticks actually carry Lyme disease. But saying ticks carry Lyme disease is actually very important because it reminds us that we need to be careful when it comes to ticks, right? Mm -hmm. Men are trash is a similar kind of statement, okay? So it, they don't, it doesn't need to be the case that every single man is trash. But, you know, a fair few men are trash and... What, that's, what the statement men are trash reminds us is that there's something wrong with masculinity, right? Um, and there's something about masculinity that we need to be thinking hard about, that we need to be aware of as well, right? We need to be worried about. And so it functions in a similar way to uh, ticks carry Lyme disease um, in that it, it serves as a kind of warning 
it draws attention to um, the problems with masculinity. And I think, therefore, it can actually be a very constructive, um, if slightly tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, slogan. Um, but yes, of course, you get the defensiveness, you know, and I'm oh, yeah. anticipating that lots of people will be quite unhappy um, with, with that chapter. Well, um, the best, though, <laughs> just right off the bat, Art and Eugene in the chat room said, um, I'm not trash, I'm recyclable. So there's that. <laughs> He's recyclable. Um, you know, this one we lived through. Um, you talked about George Floyd and, of course, yeah. that spurred the Black Lives Matter movement and mm-hmm. the All Lives Matter retort from, of course, the white people. Um, yeah. You know, and to have to explain it. But this and so this is where your your help on on sculpting an, an argument would come in handy because of course, all lives matter, but you don't have to say white lives matter because society treats white lives as if they matter. The reason they're yeah. stressing that black lives matter is because society treats black lives as if they are dispensable, disposable, that they don't matter. And that's why they're saying they do matter. Do we have to beat people over the head with this? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, yeah, it's very disheartening, isn't it, to still be having to have this conversation. And actually, at the beginning of that chapter, I kind of note that, you know, so much time gets wasted, actually, um, in trying to justify things that we shouldn't have to justify. I then go on to write a very long chapter justifying the term, right? So it's a little bit of a contradiction. But, you know, I kind of acknowledge that, you know, lots of people have worked, you know, in bad faith to create confusion mm-hmm. around that term. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the confusion exists. Um, and it's that confusion we're fighting. Because I think instinctively, most people, when they hear the slogan, Black Lives Matter, are going to on their own be able to work out why that statement is being used in this kind of a world. They right? should be able to. They should be able to, right? The fact that they can't indicates to us that something has gone wrong. There's been a sort of propaganda campaign um, to create a lot of, you know, confusion around that slogan deliberately. Um, And the chapter is, I suppose, an attempt to undo some of that work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And give some kind of quite clear direction to people wanting to uh, argue back. Uh, and and it's good. And there's great, you know, we're, you know, the phrases you can use, the arguments you can use. And that's it's a handy look. We generally do shows like this leading up to Thanksgiving. You know, it's a big holiday right. where people, families gather around the table and there are always going to be political divides. We always hear it's yeah. the crazy uncle who sends forwards those horrible emails and, and you got to <laughs> see them. And you, and so you want ammunition. So this book is good to keep around and read between now and then. Um I like this one. Who should we believe? We are at a time where facts are yeah. um, they're in, in question when they shouldn't be. And facts, things that we've known, um, the history of this country. I, 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 mm. I, Tom Hartman was on the show on Monday. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom, big radio host over here um, and, and very professorial. And he's written a series of books, the, the Hidden History series, and the, this is the newest one is the, the Hidden History of American Democracy. And it, the first chapter, the first part of it is all about um, where it came from, the idea of this democracy. And it wasn't born here. I mean, we hear about this great experiment. But it, it's been around for thousands of years, the idea of majority rule, basically. And um, But if you listen to some like, Republicans today, oh, and the founders of this country were most certainly – 
um, non-religious people. They left. They they left England looking for religious freedom. So no national religion, and and they're trying to foist on us now a state religion. They're trying to blur the lines between church and state, which mm. it was one you know pillar of this American democracy. And they're trying to say, no, that's not the case at all. That's not what they believe. They believe. So who do you believe? How do you differentiate between facts and bullshit? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, I mean, believability is a really important um, kind of tool of power, right? So certain people are believable by virtue of uh, the positions that they hold. So in this case, you know, in the case of the example that you just gave, a government obviously has enormous power um, to, uh, you know, put particular messages out there and be believed, right? So mm -hmm. a government is credible um, as a general rule. Um, and various other people are not credible, right? So women are not credible. People of color are not credible. Um, and we'll, we live in a kind of economy of credibility where some people have credibility and some people don't have credibility. And the challenges that we pose to the status quo um, are, uh, you know, weakened by the fact that we're, we're less likely to be believed. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at um, in that chapter, which, as you say, then has these huge consequences um, politically. Um, and specifically there, I'm looking at, um, you know, sexual harassment, for example, um, where there, there are then all kinds of complexities. Um, you know, I, I talk about uh, what happens when a white woman accuses a man of colour um, of sexual harassment, where you, where you then have these kind of different forms of, of sort of credibility deficits up against each other um, in certain ways. So there's a, there's a very interesting politics to that. Um, so the chapter explores all sorts of ways in which this, this idea of believability um, is important in, you know, in politics mm -hmm. um, and how believability gets assigned to different people on the basis of their social identities. But, you know, it's absolutely core to all the, all the interactions that we have with one another, right? Is, is how believable you are. Um, because we, we can't know for sure, right? And right. so we have to take these kinds of shortcuts. And I think, you know, there's, there's always been this idea that uh, a powerful white man in an expensive suit is somehow automatically credible, right? Yeah. That his knowledge is to be taken, you know, that, that his kind of testimony on any particular topic is to be taken very seriously. Um, and so we have this idea, this very stereotypical idea of what a knowledgeable person looks like. Um, and that needs to be challenged, right? We need other kinds of knowledge in the system or nothing's going to change, right? Um, we need other, you know, entire systems of knowledge to be taken seriously as well. Systems of knowledge that have been marginalized um, within science, for example. Um, so indigenous knowledge, yes, um, as an example. But so, so the chapter, the chapter kind of takes all of that in, and hopefully, you know, you know, some of that um, will be useful across many contexts for people thinking about um, why they believe what they believe um, and who they believe, right? Because um, these are very, very important questions, and they're right at the core um, of how of how knowledge works and how right. we learn things about the world. But it, it also, it, it's so telling about a society as well. Um, just yesterday, the president, President Biden, dedicated a new national monument to Emmett Till and his mother. I'm sure you know the story of Emmett Till. Yeah, was course. a 14-year-old boy, and um, uh, some woman alleged that he whistled at her or something. This was back yeah. in the 50s. And um, they lynched him. They, they beat mm. this poor kid to death. And Emmett Till's mother... Um, 
at his funeral decided she was going to have an open casket so that everyone could see what they did to her son. Well, now, 50 years later, the woman, the accuser, just died. But before she died, she admitted she made it up. Mm. Yeah. But they believed her because she was a white woman and he was a 14-year-old black boy. The problem is, yeah. that's, that's a problem in and of itself, but 50, 60 years later, they still believe the white woman over the black boy. And that's the problem. So who to mm. believe? And then you've got, you know, Fox. I, I made up this uh, thing years ago. I offered it to them for promotion. They, they've not accepted it for what reason, I don't know. But Your original source for fake news. Fox News. We make shit up. It says Fox News. We make shit up. Um, I don't know if you could hear it, but that's, you know, they lie about everything. They just got caught. They, in a defamation lawsuit, they had to pay uh, about a billion dollars to a a company that makes voting machines for defamation and turn around the next day and they're still doing it. So how do you, how do we fix this problem? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't have any easy answers to that. What I will say quickly, by the way, is Emmett Till is, you know, the, the case of Emmett Till is a big part of how I discuss these issues in the book. So I'm really glad, um, you know, that you've, that you've mentioned that. Um, yeah. How do we fix these issues? I think we have to think about who we're believing. And I think that means turning to movements like um, the Me Too movement, for mm-hmm. example, um, and trying to, to learn what we need to learn from that, um, which is that it shouldn't take dozens and dozens of women, you know, saying the same things for us to realize that it's the man who's lying. Right. right? Um, And so I think we have to recognize that the current distribution of believability is not fair and it's not right. And what I'm not saying is that means we have to believe every person of color and every woman, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, clearly in the case of Emmett Till, believing every woman you know, I mean, some women are believed to start with relative to to other people. Um, but clearly that, you know, it, that was disastrous in that particular case, yes. you know. Um, but we definitely need to do some very careful thinking about how believability currently works. Um, and, you know, think about how that works in our legal systems, for example. Um, think about how we think about this in our personal lives, um, who we give the benefit of the doubt to, you know. Um, so I think to start with, there's some soul searching that needs to happen in relation to who we think of as, as being credible. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and the same goes for politicians as well. I mean, I, I you know, I've for, for a long time thought we need to have mechanisms in place to hold politicians to account for claims that they make that are not true. Right? Yeah. Well, um, there was a story some years, less than a, less than a decade ago, maybe six or seven years ago, there was a senator from Texas named John Kyle. And he got up on the floor of the House and he said it was an argument over abortion rights. And he said, Planned Parenthood, 98 percent of what they do is abortion. Well, that's flat out right. not wrong. It's about 3% of what they do. Mm. And when when his office, he said that on the floor of the U.S. Senate. And when a reporter said to someone in his office, "What? What? how could he say that? Um, and they said, well, that wasn't intended to be a factual remark. Then wow. why do you say it on the floor of the Senate? Right. You know, yeah. there, so we have a real problem with the truth yeah. here. And and it's it's I don't know how we get around that either. But um, I always say consider the source, 
Before you mm. quote something, consider the source. Who said it? What news organization? What newspaper? What website? What person? And and mm. you have to judge it by, you know, consider the source. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a claim like that is so damaging, right? And once uttered, it's, its damage is kind of quite extensive, right? Yeah. And very difficult to contain thereafter. And most people, of course, are not going to go off and do the fact checking. No. So we really do need mechanisms in place, as I say, to make sure that a falsehood doesn't get out into the world in that manner, right? Um, where it can do a kind of untold damage without, without uh, us being able to contain it um, in any way. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a real issue. The issue of some people being believed too much and others not being believed enough, right? Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, until we can fix that, I mean, we're never, ever going to get to a point where we can have good information when it comes to climate crisis, yeah. for example, right? Where so much misinformation proliferates um, and, you know, and all sorts of other social issues um, where people are not held to account for spreading falsehoods, you know? I know. I know there's so much here. The book, the book is arguing for a better world, how philosophy can help us fight for social justice. Ariane Chavici, uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you. I, I, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, thank you for writing this. I think it's really important. I hope a lot of people read it. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been lovely to be on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, uh, hopefully we can talk again. Bye bye. Hope so. Take care. You bye too. Bye bye. Um, yeah, this is this is important, and I hope you know this is the kind of book that uh, <laughs> Ron DeSantis would have pulled from the, uh, the, the 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 shelves in Florida. Um, uh, it's it's brilliant. It's a really good book. It's a really you know it, I I thought oh it's a philosophy. It's going to be tough. It's an easy read because it's the, it's the shit we've been dealing with. Right. All right. A um, couple other things. I, and I and I, I, I could have kept going for the rest of the hour, but I did promise Spocko that we would talk today because he wanted to uh, to call in yesterday. And uh, here he is. All right. I'm glad you're back. Hey, Spocko, you hear me? Hello, Spocko. All right. For some reason, this the phone on this computer is not working. So Spocko. I'm going to call you back on the other computer. I'm going to turn this one off. You know, it's always something. We can't get through one show without uh, without a technical issue. All right, are you there? No, I got to call him back. All right, let's uh, let's dial up Spocko. See if this will work. Ah, maybe not. While I'm trying to get this going, <laughs> let me um, say if I didn't already mention it, we uh, uh, Sinead O'Connor died today. Spocko, you call back. Because I don't, I don't know why it's not working. You call me. Um, Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You, was her big uh, hit. It was a Prince song, and now they're both gone. Um, but there's another song that um, I'm going to ask you to listen to when you're thinking about Sinead O'Connor. And it wasn't a huge hit, but it was called The Emperor's New Clothes. She's calling them out for the shit that, uh, um, you know... What we do, the emperor's new clothes. That's uh, that's all I thought about. Not all I thought about, but that was the analogy in my mind when, um, uh, you know, with Donald Trump, that it was the emperor's new clothes. All right, let's see if this works. Spock, are you there? I don't know why this is not working. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, so much for. Um, all right, I'm going to try one more thing. Maybe I need to. All right, I did kill it on that computer. Can I try to call him one more time here? I don't know why it's not working. Um, 
It's always fun when things don't go right. Hello, hello. Hello? No. All right, I'm going to see it, it keeps wanting to come up on this computer and he's not hearing me there. Spock. Can you hear me? Oh, I hear you now. Yay. Okay. Woo-hoo! Yeah, it's working. All right, it only took 30 minutes, but no. <laughs> anyway, um so Spocko, by the way, you know, Spocko calls in a lot and he hangs out in the chat room. You can read Spocko at Digby's blog, digbysblog.net. Spocko writes over there as well. He's a contributor there and a Crooks and Liars. And uh, I wanted to make sure people knew that they could find you in other places other than just Mastodon. Thank you very much. Sure. So, Spocko, so you wanted to talk about, um, I mentioned the story of, uh, uh, which one was it? There were Rudy Giuliani and, the, and Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Mm-hmm. And you said that this actually, that the story about that relates to this Eamon Bundy story. Why don't you quickly tell us what happened with Eamon Bundy? Um, the, let me just uh, make sure we've got this cause here. Um Back in March, there was a. Do you hear an echo on your? No, end? I don't. So if you can ignore it, it's fine. <laughs> okay. If you can ignore it on your end, we're not hearing it. All right. Um, uh, last year, there was a uh, case where uh, one of the uh, Eamon Bundy's members of his group, uh, his grandson was um, <clears throat> taken to a hospital by the Idaho Children's uh, Protective Services for, for care. And uh, Bundy and his people uh, decided that that was a, uh, the, the kid was being kidnapped and they organized a rally, an armed rally of people coming up and saying that the baby Cyrus was kidnapped. They surrounded the hospital and the hospital had to shut down for this because it was huge. My, they, they also continued, they threatened the hospital staff. They threatened the people at the Department of the Children's Protective Services. Um, and the big thing, the thing about this is their people show up arms. Now, Bundy said it was all legal and it was free speech, etc. Well, the... Um, the hospital sued them for uh, damages, for defamation, because they threatened and harassed the people. And um, they, Bundy did not go uh, to any of the, the, the cases. He didn't do any of the things. He didn't even show up for the court filings. He said, I, it doesn't matter. Um, so the thing that I, uh, and again, I'm trying not to be too long about this, but this particular case is an example of some organization that gathers together. They continue to threaten people online, in person. They showed up outside of people's houses with their guns. And the criminal cases did nothing about this because it's legal to have a gun, you know, mm-hmm. at a protest in Idaho. So I spoke with the, uh, the people at the hospital, and I've been pushing this for a while, is to find a way to financially penalize these people with a civil case. And so they filed a defamation case like Ruby Freeman filed Ah, and won against OAN. Got it. That's the other thing. There was a multi-million dollar case. She also got, she and Shay also got, you know, criminal threats of violence that did not get followed up on. So they sued OAN. They won. They sued Rudy Giuliani and they've won that case because he's admitted to the defamation. Yeah. You know, and that just kills me. So he admits he lied, but they said, but I didn't cause them any harm. It didn't cost them anything. Bullshit. Their lives were destroyed. Yes. Yes. And this is the other thought part of it. And then he says, I don't have any money. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, and, and they also are suing uh, the Gateway Pundit as well. Good. So one of the things that I've been trying to encourage uh, people like this is to find a way to go after the money. Now, the Bundy people, not only did they, it was him and, and the, this, the grandfather, Rodriguez, but also it's an organization of two of these groups that he's part of, including the his his campaign for governor. So, um, wait, the, whose campaign uh, for governor? I'm sorry, Bundy ran. Bundy ran oh, for governor. Um, of course. And, Bundy, and just to, to reiterate, in case anybody doesn't know who we're talking about, who Eamon Bundy was, they put up they they held the part of the state of Oregon. Basically, they they put up a a, a roadblock and kept the feds away. Like they. They, 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 what did they claim? Their own sovereign nation or something? Yeah, it was, it was a wildlife refuge. Um, and uh, they, they had a, a bunch of like ridiculous claims. What's sad about this one is they got away with that. Yeah. Um, they Nothing did not ever happened charged. to them for that, which is amazing. Because yeah. that went on for like months, didn't it? Right. And it's partly because the government is afraid of having another Waco or yep. Ruby Ridge thing. That's right. And the Bundy and his people are very clever about how they use the arguments for free speech, First Amendment, or its ability to gather in a group. And they, the government failed their case up in Oregon partly because of – uh, technicalities, but also some, you know, weird witness, you know, tampering. They don't talk about uh, as much, but technically some people got caught. Others didn't. Now, it was important to know that the history of this group is as a they use the same tactics as Trump does. I mean, mm -hmm. they threaten people, mm -hmm. they uh, threaten violence, and they've actually pointed guns at you know federal employees back in uh uh, at one of the uh, uh, Bureau of Land Management back in um, 2014 at the Bundy Ranch uh -huh. uh, there. So um, I talked to the, the you know the the, the attorneys for St. Luke's decided to sue them. Bundy didn't show up. He he threatened violence uh, to people and uh, they continued to threaten people online. So he uh, eventually he the judge on the case filed a uh, a contempt of court because they they did a protective order said don't threaten these these victims don't threaten the people of the hospital and they the hospital employees were so afraid three of them wouldn't show up to testify they have uh, they've got hundreds of pages of examples of how Bundy and his people th threatened them and the women who were uh, on the child protective services all of them were in danger by these people so Judge filed a protective uh, order. Bundy and his people violated. The judge issued an arrest warrant, mm -hmm. and Bundy, they were everybody was afraid to serve it. You know, he 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 had they're afraid because he was going to threaten violence again. So um, the eventually they uh, ended up having the court. He didn't show up, and the uh, St. Luke's people won the case, and it was a fifty-two point five million dollar settlement. And um, one of the things that I, I always say when I when I bring this this stuff up, people always say, "Yeah, but you know, they'll never they'll never get them to pay," um, or like, uh, "Oh." He, and I remember um, we right after the uh, E. Jean Carroll case, where Trump, you know, Trump has the money, but E. Jean Carroll won her case five million dollars, and people said, "Well, good luck getting it out of him." 
one of the things that we know from that case is that the court has a system for when somebody applies, you know, with their challenges, et cetera, and they can go after, uh, they put it in, in a, uh, what do you call a, uh, uh, What's the thing where they like a, a escrow account? The okay. court controls it. They said right. Trump had to put five point five million dollars in for E. Jean Carroll. Wow. So when he loses his appeal, she'll get win the, the money. money and she'll okay. actually get it because, right. yeah, I, I was wondering if she was ever going to see it. Well, that's cool. Right. That's good to know. So the thing that I wanted to say, because uh, two things, one right now. Bundy lost the case and he claimed that he doesn't have any money. And the lawyers uh, worked on this beforehand. They put out some stories about how he's trying to hide his assets, just like uh, Alex Jones did. Yep. They've got forensics accountants on him. Good. And so they know that he's tried to move his, his land around. He threatened the judge and anybody who tried to take his land by force. So that's a, that's a future criminal case that can come up against him. And the thing that I also wanted to, to finally point out is this isn't just about forcing Bundy to pay. They have the tools, but it's also uh, the other person, Rodriguez. But the, the, he has the remainder of this money, like Bundy has to pay 6.2 in compensatory damages, 6.5, 6.1 punitive. But also the remainder has to be paid by the People's Right Network, the Freedom Man Press, and the Bundy campaign for governor. <laughs> and that is where the money is. I mean, so this is the thing. People always say, well, you know, Trump raises money from his suckers and afterwards they can't get it. Here's a way to get the money that Bundy raised for his campaign governor, as well as these other two grifting organizations. And this is something that I want people to be aware of. It's like, if we can't get them in one way, we don't just throw up our hands, oh, we'll never see a penny. Go after the other pools of money uh -huh. because that is how you get them. Uh, you hurt them. I mean, right. they, they gotcha. care about that. Okay. Um, and the last thing that I wanted to, to, to say is I've been trying to encourage some of the hospitals that have been providing gender affirming care yeah. to these various different uh you know, uh, LGBTQ uh, 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 people. And one of the things that they need to know is that there's a way to deal with the ongoing social media threats and harassment. And it involves something like this. It involves this kind of case. And this is a case that came from a hospital and it was against an organized campaign of threatening, harassing and defamation that they not only go after the individuals who make the threats, but after the people who organized it and who profited off of it. So there's a whole group of people who've organized the threats against the transgender uh, community. Mm -hmm. What I would like these hospitals to learn, like Boston Children's Hospital and the hospital of uh, Vanderbilt Medical uh, Center, to learn that there's a way to go about getting this kind of organizations to stop and then get compensation for it because everybody is afraid to go after them criminally because yeah. they're afraid of more you know threats of violence so it. that's the thing that i want to you know i can't reach out to these people i mean i wrote i've, I've suggested it and i've called them and i said look at this now i can point to here's a great example mm -hmm. of what they can do okay spaco you can find <laughs> him of course online uh at digby's place digby's blog.net at crooks and liars <laughs> uh usually in the youtube chat room during the show so uh come hang out spaco thank Thanks. you as always we'll talk soon
Take care. Bye bye. Uh, and and uh, with that, we're done. Um, uh, we, we covered a lot of ground today, right? I guess today makes up for the days that I don't, <laughs> I don't get a lot done. Um, tomorrow, Howie Klein is here, so um, we will certainly talk Sinead O'Connor. I don't know if he knew her. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of the the um, the tweets and the posts, uh, um, and uh, Howie was one of the first I saw who wrote something, and I, so I have a feeling he. He probably has a Sinead O'Connor story, so we will find out. All right. With that, we're done. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. Have a good night, everyone, and stay cool. This is, um, they're saying this week will be the hottest around, more more people in severe um, heat, uh, you know, danger uh, than ever before. So stay cool. Okay. However, it's a good time to go see a double header at the movies. You sit in the movie theater and you can watch uh, Barbenheimer. All right. Okay. Enough of that. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Bye.